Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody's doing well. Another Sunday Perspective show, and uh, we're getting to the end of May. As I mentioned, uh, we're almost halfway through the year. Uh, for those of you listening on either Sunday or Monday, uh, happy Memorial Day here in the United States. Um, want to, you know, kind of connect the dots a couple times uh, for a couple things this week. Um, you know, I was out in Las Vegas. I had a chance to attend uh, one of the Gartner events, uh, one of the application modernization events. Uh, also been watching kind of the um, the kind of vendor announcements, vendor shows over the last couple of weeks. Microsoft had one, Red Hat had one recently, uh, Google had one, AWS has made some announcements. And a couple of things kind of jumped out at me. Um, obviously, every one of the vendors these days is now announcing something around AI and trying to, you know, not just have sort of an AI vision, but, uh, you know, sort of showcase how AI is now going to be part of literally, almost literally, uh, every single product that's out there, whether they are end-user-specific products, whether they're productivity things, helping developers, infrastructure-related, uh, whatever it is. And that's probably a good thing. Um, yes, there's going to be a certain amount of, of AI washing that's going to be going on for a little while, and, and some of these products may not necessarily make it to market as fast as, as uh, the vendors necessarily claim them to be. But you know, I think we're in a very, very early stage of what's going to be a very useful, uh, usable version of AI in a lot of the technologies we have. Now, the reason I mentioned the the vendor announcements and then try and connect the dots with me being out at a Gartner event was, you know, something jumped out at me. One of the things about the Gartner events, and some of you get a chance to attend them, many of you won't, that's fine. Um, I'm not going to speak specifically about this one. But one of the things that Gartner does very well and kind of their their sweet spot in the market, Gartner, the analyst firm, is they work uh, very much with larger enterprise customers. And customers who are, you know, companies who are kind of going through transitions at various stages in their life, um, you know, transitions to digital transformation, transitions to building modern applications, transitioning from, you know, one industry into another, you know, how do they manage acquisitions, all sorts of things along those lines. But, you know, very much the the central theme of, of anything that you typically go to Gartner for is this idea of... We're being asked to to modernize some things. And we also have, you know, 10, 12, 20 other high priority things that are on our plate. How do we go about rationalizing this? How do we go about doing this hopefully in an efficient way? How do we go about doing this in uh, you know a way that we can measure results? All those types of things, right? So you get a lot of people that show up to the event, you know, essentially with a long list of you know, high level requirements from the business, um, some of them not terribly well defined. And they're essentially looking for, you know, not only technology that can help them get there, they're looking for systems integrators that can help them get there. But they're also looking for frameworks in terms of how do I think through prioritizing things? How do I rationalize this portfolio that I have? How do I make sense of some of these crazy asks that are coming from the business? You know, so people that have a lot of open-ended questions and they're looking for some frameworks for assistance. Now, the dots I want to kind of connect here, which I think um, we're just at the beginning of, is if we go back about seven or eight years, go back to about 2015. So let's put it in context. Um, there was something called, uh, Gartner came up with something called bimodal IT. 
And bimodal IT, um, I'll put a link in the show notes for those of you that have never heard of it. It was essentially Gartner's way of framing what do you do when part of the business wants you to focus on just the new stuff and then part of the business wants you to make sure the old stuff continues to run and makes money for the business. And it was an, a very interesting sort of tipping point uh, in our industry in terms of people saying, am I on one side of the sort of bimodal, the fast mode, or am I in the sort of slow mode? And I think this AI kind of revolution uh, tipping point that we're at is going to be sort of the, the bimodal for the 2020s, if you will. And I haven't seen anybody necessarily call this out or claim it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just claim it myself. What the heck? Uh, but I want to dig into it after the break. So we'll get to that right after the break. Are you looking to stay ahead of the curve in the latest trends in enterprise tech? Look no further than the Breaking Analysis podcast with Dave Vellante. This data-driven program dives into the most important topics facing the enterprise tech industry today. With a data-first approach that leverages ETR's renowned surveys of IT decision makers and insight from the Cube community, Breaking Analysis delivers in-depth research on the most important topics facing technologists and IT buyers. Whether you're a business leader, an IT professional, investor, or just an avid follower of the industry, this podcast is a must-listen. Just search Breaking Analysis Podcast wherever you get your podcast and tune in today to stay ahead of the game in enterprise tech. And we're back. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, what I want to kind of dive into is what feels like uh, another tipping point in our industry. Uh, we have them maybe every five, seven, eight years, sometimes every 10 years or so. With everybody beginning to announce uh, AI available products, usable products, not just the you know super high-end data scientist or the new sexy uh, Harvard Business School headline, um, but, you know, tools and capabilities that will be embedded into nearly every product and usable by very, very large numbers of people. You know, it sort of dawned on me that we are going to begin to enter a stage that feels very similar to what we had uh, back around 2013, 14, 15, 16-ish timeframe. So seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. And what that framework was, and some people liked it, some people hated it. I think it ended up sort of panning out, but it was panned quite a bit at the time, was analyst firm Gartner essentially came out and said, uh, you know, everybody is talking about di digital transformation, whatever that meant for the company at the time. And the challenge is there are a number of new things that you're going to try and build. And again, so put this in the context of 2015, right? We were talking about, you know, containers and cloud native applications and beginning to use the public cloud for experimentation or, you know, scaling in ways that we couldn't do stuff. So, right. So the beginning of sort of cloud being a mainstream thing um, and cloud native types of development, um, whether they were path centric or just distributed applications or beginning to use containers and Kubernetes, whatever that might've been, we were right at the beginning of that. And Gartner, in essence, uh, in talking to a lot of large customers, right, and this may not apply to you if you're a, you know, you work at a smaller company or, um, you know, maybe a, a smaller mid-sized company that doesn't really use technology a lot. But in talking to a lot of larger customers, what they were hearing was companies were struggling to figure out, like, how do I rationalize this idea that the business is super excited about digital transformation there is, you know, a lot of potential for what could be built to go through this transformation. But at the same time, we still have a bunch of, you know, existing systems. People call them legacy systems or brownfield systems, or, you know, they, they became hip to call them heritage systems at some point in time that essentially run the business, right? It could be the ERP system, the CRM system. It could be, you know, something as simple as like, you know, email for 50,000 people. Um, you know, there were, you know, hundreds and hundreds of applications that, 
weren't really probably going to be part of this modernization, but were incredibly important for the business. You know, it kept customer databases. It kept, uh, you know, it was how you did transactions. It was, you know, how you had internal APIs uh, exposed to, to different groups. It was, it was all sorts of things. And so Gartner coined this term bimodal IT. And in essence, what they said was in the simplest terms, and I put a link to their website when the stuff was announced, um, they in essence said, you're going to have some things that are going to move slow and, you know, sort of legacy stuff. And then you're going to have some things that move fast. And the difference between those two things is significant enough that you couldn't just sort of throw a blanket over them or find commonality between them. The only way to be successful is to essentially bifurcate your IT organization and have those that work in fast mode and those that work in slow mode, right? That was the essence of bimodal IT. And there were people in the industry who very much embraced this idea. They said, yeah, you know, we are, you know, for example, we are a vendor that only really specializes in working with sort of the fast mode companies. And then you had other companies, other vendors who, you know, felt like, uh oh, the last thing in the world I want to do is be tagged as only being relevant to legacy. Because if you're only tied to legacy, people don't think there's really a future with what you do. Um, and the same sort of tagging, uh, I guess, ontology, if you will, was floating around various IT organizations. And you had a lot of groups who were very concerned that they're going to be tagged as the old group. And that could be old in terms of technology, old in terms of age, but in essence, um, you know, stagnant, uh, not having a path to move forward. And eventually people were concerned about, hey, well, if, you know, we don't have a path forward, we become a commodity, people don't need us around. Um, you know, so it caused a lot of angst in the industry, especially for those groups that were deemed to be sort of legacy, slow, old, right? Not the fast group, right? Not the, the one with all sorts of potential to change the business. And it dawned to me as I was sitting out in a Gartner event this past week in Las Vegas um, and sort of listening to Gartner go through, you know, various ways to, to do app modernization and, and rationalize those things. Um, I was watching that out of sort of one eye and out of the other eye, I was watching all these vendor announcements over the last couple of weeks, again, from all sorts of vendors, uh, talking about how AI was now going to be part of their portfolio you know, be part of every aspect of their portfolio, not just like we have an AI group or an AI set of products. Every product was going to have AI. And it sort of dawned on me that we are probably at the beginning of kind of a new variation on bimodal in which the business is going to continue to push on things that would fall into the category of digital transformation, if you will, whatever that might mean for your business. But the thing that they're now going to be asking for because it's in the mainstream news, it's in the mainstream media, it's what people are talking about throughout the technology industry, is how is AI going to impact this? How are you using AI to make this better? Are you going to be able to use AI to replace a segment of your workforce? You know, what sort of immediate cost savings, what sort of immediate time savings, what sort of immediate productivity are you going to get out of AI? And it sort of dawned on me that I think <clears throat> that's going to be the new bimodal is that you're going to have plenty of projects that you're going to continue whatever technology you're using. You might be using cloud-native technologies, but if they are things that are now perceived as being, well, they're just sort of there to keep the lights on for the business. Yes, they're really important because they serve up our catalog and our inventory and they take orders and do supply chain and stuff. If they don't incorporate an AI element of them into them somehow, it will be very interesting to see you know, how those are perceived um, because 
you're going to get a lot of questions about really the economics, probably more than anything else, uh, of if your thing doesn't somehow include AI, how are you going to keep up with competitors who are now able to use these things? You know, are you thinking about in in every meeting, uh, in every project, in every technology decision you're making, does AI get incorporated in this? And it's going to be a very interesting thing because while there is a lot of usable AI technology out there, at least demonstrations of it and, and various things, you know, whether it's chat GPT or whatever it might be, there's still going to be a lot of things that will be sort of tip of the iceberg versus really relevant to your business, right? Meaning things like um, who within your organization is going to build these large language models? Who's going to build training model? Who's going to build models? Who's going to train these models? How are you incorporate? You know, is that being incorporated from the vendor's technology? Is that just sort of built in? Are they just giving you the scaffolding to be able to do that? Do you have, you know, sort of data, data science teams in place? Are you embedding data science within every group you have? You know, so it's, you know, we're going to start instead of having like the app dev group, we're going to have the app data science dev group or the, um, you know, dev data science ops group or whatever the, that might be, you know, site reliability, AI engineering, you know, it, you can imagine where these things are going to go. Um, but it's going to be very interesting because you're going to have people pushing on uh, the economics of it. Are we competitive with our, you know, with our other people in our industry, our competitors, and it, it's it's going to make for uh, another bifurcation, I think, in terms of be prepared that that question is going to come up all the time. And you, while you should be, you know, asking your suppliers and your vendors, you know, what they're doing to help you, I think you should expect to hear it from your management teams that that this is coming, that this is going to be a normal part of of every conversation. And I think it's going to, A, it's probably going to be an interesting thing. There's going to be a lot of experimentation of what can we do, what's possible. And I think there's going to be a lot of folks who are going to have to figure out, you know, sort of the ROI of this stuff. And it's going to be uncomfortable at times, right? We've gone through periods of time in which new technologies come along and we sort of go, well, you know, will those technologies have an impact on on the workforce and do they automate stuff and, and so on and so forth? And we've gone through, you know, an entire decade plus of like, hey, automation is really important, for example. Um, and initially people were like, well, if we automate stuff, just like we saw in factories, you know, they become robots, you know, jobs go away. We didn't necessarily see IT jobs go away because, you know, Ansible was popular or Terraform was popular or Chef or Puppet, whatever, right? What we'd often see is there was so much work to be done by IT organizations that implementing things like automation, for example, really was just an accelerant to a gigantic backlog, a gigantic amount of technical debt. Um, but it wasn't something that you necessarily replace people with because those automation technologies didn't just work by themselves, right? They had to be built. They had to be customized. They had to be implemented. They had to be maintained. And it'll be interesting to see if we see the same thing with these AI technologies. Um, can they just work on their own? Um, do they need a lot of care and feeding? Uh, you know, who will maintain them? Who will build these models? Who will maintain the models? Who will optimize the models? You know, do you have to only work with the cloud provider versions of them, whether they're open AI or Google's or Amazon's or Azure's or whatever? Will there be companies that specialize in building the you know ones that work on premises or work in disconnected environments or at the edge? Um, we're going to see all these sort of things happen, uh, but I I do expect that we will start to see a new 
a new bifurcation, a, do, a new my, bimodal, if you will. And I'm going to be very, very interested to watch the behavior of vendors, how quickly they're able to get actual useful technology into the hands of people. I think there's going to be a, a massive, massive push on on sort of every vendor that's out there um, to not only make that part of their portfolio, make it center stage, you know, front and center of their portfolio, but make it work, um, not just sort of uh, ship and announce vaporware uh, or shelfware. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what the the model building, uh, model maintenance sort of thing is. You know, how quickly do we see certain things be embedded into products you don't have to do anything with? Um, you know, other groups start to specialize in these things. Um, you know, will we start to see groups spin out of, uh, you know, sort of existing end customers that have expertise in this stuff? Uh, we've seen that in the past uh, with other parts of technology. Um, but it is something I, I think as you're thinking about the projects you have in front of us in terms of in terms of the vendors you're selecting, the technologies you're selecting, uh, but probably just most importantly, like the way in which you're going to measure, is a project successful? What do I forecast this project to look like uh, with and without AI sort of embedded within it some way? Um, and what are the economics going to look like of you know 10% AI, 30% AI, 50% AI, 100% AI, all those sorts of things. Um, and I think you're going to see you know, organizations begin to ask for that sort of stuff. Um, because again, the technology appears to be very available and useful. Now we'll see whether or not that pans out in reality or whether this is, you know, mostly, you know, for, you know, chat GPT use cases to help, you know, write better ad copy for marketing groups. Maybe that's, you know, the tip of the iceberg, you know, but, you know, we don't think it will be. We think there'll be opportunities to write better code, do pair programming, do a whole bunch of different things. Obviously I did a whole episode, I think it was last week or the week before, about you know how this will embed into uh, operational teams as well. So, anyways, with that, um, kind of want to wrap it up. Uh, you know, I do will be very interested. I probably should come up with a name for this because I, I suspect this will be a a topic that we will cover quite a bit. Uh, I don't want to call it bimodal, uh, but I, I, I'm open to ideas on uh, you know maybe what to call this this new bifurcation we're going to be seeing. Um, but I do think it's a topic we're going to come back to as we start to hear more and more use cases of success and failure um, in trying to embed uh, AI into the day-to-day things you do in IT, whether it's building applications, operating environments, uh, you know, how you partner, how you scale, all that sort of stuff. So um, if you're hearing good use cases, love to hear them. Um, if you are building in this space, love to hear about it. Um, yeah. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up again. Uh, hopefully these Sunday perspectives are helpful. Uh, hopefully, you know, we, we, open up some some broader ideas that hopefully will allow us to, to dive deeper, but also let you start to think about the bigger picture of things. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Happy Memorial Day. Uh, enjoy the long weekend if you're here in the States and you're listening to this on Saturday or, or Sunday or Monday. Um, and with that, we'll wrap it up and we will uh, talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 